Thank you for listening to the Voices of Gremlin podcast. I am Simone Mond, your host for today. Questions were written by myself, Faith Carr. All participants are students from the Gremlin State University Department, History Department. The Voices of Gremlin podcast is a production of the History Department at Gremlin State University. It is developed by the students and faculty. Funding for the 2021 Rebirth Grants have been administrated by the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities and provided by the National Endowment for the Humanities as part of the American Rescue Plan and the NEH Sustaining the Humanities through the American Rescue Plan Initiative. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Welcome, Miss. Uh, welcome, Mrs. Givens. How are you? I'm okay. Great. So we're gonna start off with some softball questions. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I am a former educator, and I have nine grandchildren, nice. three children. I should have said that first. <laughs> um, I am retired, uh, and I uh, spend my days uh, doing things for my children and grandchildren, and I am a member of the National Sorority of Phi Delta Kappa uh, Incorporated, which is a teacher's sorority, and I'm very active in that uh, organization. Okay, great. Okay. Um, so when did you graduate from Grandin State University? I graduated in 1973. Um, in, um, was that the fall semester or the spring semester? That was the fall semester. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and what degree did you graduate? I'm assuming since you went to education, it'd be an education degree, correct? Well, I had uh, a BS in social studies, social sciences, and after uh, working just one year in high school, I went back and certified in elementary education. And that's where I spent my time teaching uh, first grade. Great. And did you do your certification here at Grambling State University? Yes, I did. Uh -huh. Great. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about your 28 years in the education system? Well, um, teaching to me was something I always wanted to do ever since I was four years old. And to be able to work at something that I loved was just um, just a joy. And working with uh, the elementary, uh, on the elementary level, I uh, just always loved it. And I, and, and I looked forward to it. And it was just something that was not a chore, but it was a joy to, uh, to work uh, children. In fact, I still do uh, spend a lot of my time working with children. Nice. And I uh, tell stories to elementary classes. I'm still involved in that way. I work with AXO and in my sorority we have uh, auxiliary which is kudos and xenos, uh, guidance groups for high school students. I work with the kudos which are the boys' guidance group. Oh. And, uh, but like I said, I'm active. We do 
uh, adult and children benefits for our community. We have a Teacher-Rama, which is an educational program every November uh, in, uh, where we try to enlighten the community about some aspect of education. Uh, we have an African-American program in February. And right now, I'm getting ready to do something for Make a Difference Day and for uh, Arbor Day for, with the high school students. Okay, and what is Make a Difference Day? Make a Difference Day is a national holiday where you do some type of community service. I mean, it's the cho choices are, you know, unlimited. So that is an activity that I want to do with the kudos, something to make a difference in that community. Uh, some things that we've done, uh, we've gone to nursing homes, uh, which wasn't a make a difference activity, but we have gone to nursing homes. Uh, we've done the sickle cell, anemia uh, street drive, and uh, they're looking for, uh, the, the boys are looking for uh, uh, a way to read to younger students as a tutorial program that we're working on now. Okay. Um, so have you lived all your life in Louisiana? No, I was born in Adams County, uh, out from Natchez, Mississippi. And my family moved to Tallulah, out from Tallulah, and when I was four years old. I went back to Natchez and went to school there for a year and a half, staying with my aunt. And after that, I stayed pretty much lived in Louisiana. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you say that those are very rural areas? Very rural. I mean, I lived, when I came up, uh, from four years until I was grown, uh, I lived in a very isolated, totally black community, farming community. And uh, it was on a levee. And, uh, lived about 20 miles from the nearest town. And I, I lived in Louisiana, but I could see the lights in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Okay. And uh, just very isolated farming and gardening, and this pretty much what went on. So when you came over to Grambling State University, how was that transition? Was it very hard or was it very simple to transition? Well, I had always known that I was gonna go to go to college that ever since I was a little girl. But it was a culture shock. But when I came to Gramlin, I was married. I had one child. Uh, my first child was born when I was 18, and, and I was married. And I had to leave my son with my mom. And my husband wasn't in school. And uh, I came, I stayed in Jeans Hall, which I happen to see is still here. And uh, it was a, a, a culture shock when I look back at it, it. It was a culture shock because I came from an area that we had no inside plumbing. And, uh, and in fact, the, the house that I lived in, we even had problems getting water. I look at uh, scenes now with people in Africa having problems getting water. But when I, where I lived, we had a uh, problem getting uh, good drinking water uh, because we, my family was so poor, we didn't have a pump. <laughs> and when we finally got a pump, I mean, I thought that was a luxury because I used to carry water across the fields, uh, carry for our drinking water and uh, even carry to give our animals water. So, uh, I, like I said, coming to Gremlin was uh, a culture shock because there were children here from 
all over the United States. And uh, I can't remember my uh, all of my roommates, but I remember that one girl was from Mississippi, and she had lived in Chicago. And I met children from down south. In fact, I can remember the first time, uh, you can always tell when someone's from down south, Louisiana, they have the accent. And so I remember talking to us, saying something to her about her accent, and, she, and I said, well, we don't have an accent up here. And she said, oh, yes, you do. And I said, well, you're a sound as if I would think a French person would sound. And I said, what kind of accent do we have up here? And she said, you all sound like collard greens and cornbread. <laughs> and so <laughs> I always remember that. But it was, like I said, it was a culture shock because a lot of my room, I mean, were smoking, and I didn't smoke, and I thought that was the most sophisticated thing the way they would smoke, and we would play cards. Like I learned how to play spades. In fact, my friends and I laugh now that you can't get from Grammy without a Ph.D. in playing spades. Oh, I definitely agree. <laughs> yeah. I learned how to play cards my freshman year. Here. Yeah, so I, would, I can remember playing all night, and I had this uh, 8 o'clock biology class. Of course, I, pl- I went to my class, and then after that, I crashed and, and went back went to sleep. But... Uh, I had it, it was just uh, a wonderful experience, but most weekends, and I tell my granddaughter this is that I didn't participate in a lot of uh, extracurricular activities, and I didn't have I didn't join clubs because most Fridays I left Grambling and went home to see about my family, my my son and my and my husband, and my husband would come down on Friday evenings and pick me up, and then I'd come back Sunday evenings uh, for school, so. I really regret not being part of the clubs and uh, the social scene, although through the week I, I pretty much uh, could walk with my roommates you know, to the student union and, and things like that and walk down to Spivey's and get some chicken or chicken box or something but, and going down in the village. But after I was here for a while, I, I started working at Mike's Cafe because I wanted extra money for my, uh, my child. And, uh, but like I said, it wasn't a total involved college life because I went home on the weekends. Yeah, it's very understandable. Yeah, and then later on, my husband came to school and uh, after our second baby, and uh, we lived on Adams Avenue, so I was off campus then. Okay. Um, so you had briefly mentioned that in your rural neighborhood, you had a lot of black people that you lived around. So how was it transitioning to a racial climate where next door over in Ruston, it's a lot more white people? How did you handle that transition? Well, I had no interaction with anyone in Ruston. Hmm. I mean, um, I think there were like taxis that would take us back and forth. I had to catch the bus. But uh, I had, going to school, I had... I never had had a white teacher. I didn't have any interaction with whites at all. And uh, I can remember my first uh, white instructor, and uh, a very good instructor. And it was a literature teacher. I think his name was Mr. Queen. And I definitely remember my my, uh, seminar teacher, Dr. Dozar. Uh, I loved her. uh, But that was my first... I basically stayed on the campus. I never went to Ruston very much uh, because then I didn't have a car, and that those few little miles were uh, 
seemed like a long way just to get from Grandma to Ruston. It was hard uh, back in those days, uh, leaving campus and going to Ruston. Okay. Um, did you or your friends deal with any kind of emotional issues going from an integrated to segregated uh, community? You said integrated? Yes, ma'am. Um, most of the students at that time were most, mostly black here at mm -hmm. Grambling. I saw, I mean, I make a count on one hand, the white students that I saw. So very few. And I came here in 1969, and very few white students were here. And I had no interaction with them. Okay. Mm -mm. Um, when you were a student at Grambling State University, or, I'm sorry, Grambling College, mm -hmm. the president of, was Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson Jones, mm -hmm. and he had the reputation of stifling civil rights activism. What were your thoughts about that when you were students? And did, he, did his efforts discourage you from the potential activism? No. Uh, uh, I was not political at all. At, not, not at all from where I was uh, raised and how I was brought up in a very segregated uh, community. And uh, a lot of those uh, feelings and mores and traditions were instilled in me and knowing my place and where I was, and I regret that. But while I can remember, because I think I, I saw that, there was um, a march, and I did participate in that. And I think had I been living on campus and didn't go home every weekend, I would have been more uh, active uh, with uh, politics. And of course, I heard some things uh, uh, that the students would say about Chris, and I didn't feel that way because of how I was brought up. But the more I was around my roommates and my peers, some of that did rub off on me. But, I mean, I was fully grown and fully, I don't know what would be the word, uh, indoctrinated of what my place was and and how and how I was supposed to feel. And this really was, like I said, a culture shock. Mm -hmm. Just being around, uh, you know, the students, the black students were a culture shock to me because they were, to me, seemed cosmopolitan more than I was because I was a country girl. And uh, they, they really uh, had an impact on me more so than uh, the politics of the time. You know, of course, I, I remember uh, Dr. King, and I remember uh, uh, Jesse Jackson came here, and I did go to his, hear him speak, and uh, uh, I can remember that. And I can't remember very much what he said, but uh, I, I know that he was, he was uh, you know, we all were, had to go to the license and speeches and things that came, that the cultural things that they had for us here. And uh, I, but I still can remember going to hear him, hearing Jesse Jackson. And I can still remember the march because my roommates didn't want me to go, uh, uh, the, the ones that I had. I think I was pregnant at the time. And so wow. I walked. Uh, they said, you, you know, you shouldn't be going there. But I, 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 so like I said, I think if I had been more involved in college life and hadn't been a mother and a wife, I probably would have been more active 
uh, about uh, the, the conditions of the world and and how we how we are. And uh, in fact, I, I can remember I was thinking about this. I stayed off campus and I missed quite a few classes because uh, when my husband came to school on the GI Bill, we um, had to switch up with keeping the kids. And so he would be in class and I would be uh, with children, uh, although we did still have to get a babysitter. But I can remember once going to my literature class, uh, English, uh, I think it was literature, and I had read either Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer. Just, I mean, I found out what the assignment was. And I went in class, uh, and I just thought I was ready. And uh, the teacher asked, I think it was Dr. Ennis, she said, well, ask my opinion about the story. And I said, oh, it was just so funny. And I started talking about the different uh, parts of the story that I remember that were very funny to me and, um, and how I had, you know, enjoyed it and laughed. And when I finished, she asked another student who was an English major. I was a social studies major, which still that didn't have anything to, uh, to do with how I had responded. But she asked this English major, and I almost can see that girl now. And she started talking about the racial overtones of the story and how demeaning it was. And I had said how I had enjoyed it and how funny it was to wow. me. And that's the first time after that I, I never was able to really look at just at the at a story just face value and and I learned to dig deeper into what the author was saying in relationship to myself. But at first I just you know I just read it for you know just just just, just read it I thought but I didn't look deep I didn't dig deep into it. But I'll never forget that girl I was I think I felt like one inch when she finished saying, oh, yeah, and you know, I never had thought that you know Mark Twain had was saying anything, you know, that and then, then she even talked about the sexual overtones of the story and all. Of, I said, well, what, what did she see? You know, what did she see all of that? Yeah, where but, did she see this from? Huh? I said, where did she see this from? Well, see, she was. Uh, like I said at that time, according to uh, what was going on in the world and. And when I look back at it now, I, I can see those things. Yeah, uh, that she, you know, you got this grown uh, black man and this little, this little boy, and they're on this raft, you know, and alone. And then the black man is, uh, I can't even remember his name because I hadn't read the story in a long time, but uh, Jim. And then uh, he's being... Uh, you know, Yasser and Mister to, you know the little the little white boy, and uh, so she brought all of that out. But I just when I read it, I just said, "Oh, that was so funny!" And they did this happened and that, but never ever again did, did I think did I look at a story just just for the just read the words. I, I learned to dig deeper and to and to, and to think, uh, you know, when reading, and so. Um, it was, it, like I said, it was more the students, to me, the black students, they were more uh, like from another world to me because I, I was from a very, from the Delta uh, area where we picked cotton and chopped cotton and uh, picked up pecans and fished. And, but still, there was, 
one thing we always had was hope. And uh, that I always knew, that, like I said, that I was going to be college ed- educated and I was going to be a teacher. So I never felt like I was down and out. I always knew that one day, you know, and, and that's one thing. I know I'm probably getting away from the script, but that's one thing I'm not looking at fine. today with the youth. It's as if they don't have that hope. Uh, uh, that there's going to be a better day. In fact, I always saw it as something in my future. And I think what they want, more so children today want that now. They don't want to just say one day. They want it today. And when they don't get it or they don't see where others are, uh, see a way to help them get it, I think they feel despair from, you know, not having that hope because once once you lose that, even if you're poor and you have two dresses and one pair of shoes, if you got hope, you you know you get, you have everything. So uh, that's one thing I always had, and my brothers always had it. And um, although they didn't finish, they didn't graduate from college, but they all came to college, and other things took them away. They they let other things take them away. But because I had children, and and even my husband uh, encouraged me and uh, to. To, uh, to get my dog, uh, obtain my dream. So, and, you know, that's thankful uh, that I had that. Yeah, that's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I try to give it to my granddaughter and <laughs> my grand and my grandsons, my granddaughters and my grandsons, and and any, any really truly anyone that I meet. I just think that we all have a purpose, and I thought my purpose was to teach first grade and. Or teach school, because I really wanted to be a social studies teacher, high school teacher. But I didn't have, the, I guess, the personality for that, to deal with high school students. And, uh, and I just fell into my uh, dream job when I taught first grade. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so a while ago you had mentioned a march that you had went to that your friends didn't want you to go to. Yeah. Uh, was that March the 1970 Kent State Massacre March that was joined? I, I, I think so. I think so. And, you know, I'm 72 now, and a lot of things are just really foggy to me uh, about what had happened. And I, re- and I can't remember all of the what went on and why I decided to go. But I do. I remember Kent State, and I, I remember just by even probably afterwards from my reading, but evidently, for me to walk, and that's supposed to be three miles, but that was like the longest march to me, uh, walking and uh, uh, to Ruston. I think we're going to meet it. I forget where we're going to be. I thought you we're guys gonna... are going to meet at the highway in the uh, right between Grambling and the intersection of Ruston. Okay. I I, okay. Well, good because <laughs> I can remember, but I do remember when I came back to my dorm. I just crashed, and I think being pregnant probably had something to do with that. But uh, that was—I had to go. But they, although as I said, my roommates didn't want me to go. They didn't go. The, t- the two girls that I was roommates with—they didn't. But I said, no, I have to go. And so, but anyway, I can remember that. And um, uh, I don't know you, what else. Why I, did you feel like you had to go? Well, like I wait. Let me say this: it's foggy. But from them telling me not to go, evidently, I felt very strongly about, you it's know. Like your rebellious nature came, in up, come, came up. 
well, not so much as rebellious as uh, feeling that the show, uh, I, I, like I said, it's foggy, but uh, it had to have been something that I was motivated more so to go. And um, after that, I think uh, that may have been the height of my political uh, dealings or uh, activities because after that I had three children and uh, then uh, I started working. So, But like I said, in my own way, I'm, I didn't sign anyone up to vote. I, I, I am a member of the NAACP now. And I, in fact, the way I try to give and, and I give, I work with the students in the NAACP, the AXO competition. And I think we all have our own way of doing uh, what we can for our community. And when you see what you do, you, you do your thing, uh, you know. And I think teaching uh, the students to read and, and introducing them to stories about kids with hope and kids who, you know, went on in spite of, that I think that's a way to instill in them uh, hope and the ability that they can do anything they want to do. And that was one thing that was always with my generation. Get your education. Nobody can take that from you. And once you get that, you can do anything you want to do. And although there are some glass ceilings, but I was so naive, I didn't even know that. So uh, I see more so now, you know, than I did then. And would you say that your experience here at Grambling made you more politically active, uh, active in your older age? Uh, not, not really. No, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I uh, have since I've been out and it's been uh, with my uh, peers now, and from the church, and uh, and I think having children and seeing how they in, have interacted with others, because my children uh, have run into some things that I thought, you know, were demeaning. And once you start looking at things that happen to your children and your grandchildren, uh, I think that, that, that has had more of an effect on me than what happened to me here at Grambling. Okay. Um, so after the march that you had uh -huh. went to, um, I had done a little bit of research and found out there was a protest from Tech on the Kinshaw, uh, I'm sorry, Kent State Massacre March uh -huh. after the Gremlin State University did it, basically protesting your guys's protest. Uh -huh. So, how did you hear about it on campus? I may have, as I said, and I don't mean any harm. I really can't remember. I guess I should have read more about what happened then. I do, all I can remember is that I did participate in that march. And um, I can't remember that. I, I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. Mm -hmm. No worries. Well, um, I would just like you to tell me your favorite memories from Grambling. Okay. It seems like it had a very big impact on your educational career and mm -hmm. how you view life and how you view um, the wisdom that you give to your students now. Well, uh, as I said, I, I had always wanted to go. I knew I was going to go to college, and so. But one thing, um, the roommates 
being with girls, I, I was brought up with boys, and I hadn't ever been just, I didn't have any sisters until I was 14. But I can remember uh, going to the football games. Uh, I didn't go to very many, but I remember one in particular. It was uh, against Southern. That was one of my favorite memories. And my, my uh, uh, friends from my high school had mostly gone to Southern University. And they came up to the game, and I got a chance to see them. And Grambling, I think we were winning the football game. And so I was just so happy about that. And, um, but during the halftime, of course, I knew Grambling Band was the best. But Southern's band, when, they came, when Southern's band came out, I can remember this more so than I can the march. They started just going, just scattering all over the field, just going helter skelter, just running and and we said, what are they doing? Because, you know, Grammy had been so beautiful, that man had. And so all at once, this band was in this huge circle. And we said, what are they doing? They had their backs to us. And we were just looking at them, you know, like, what are they going to do? You know, because they couldn't outdo Grammy. And Southern band, they start turning around slowly, playing, you got me going in circles. Oh, we all fell down, and we just, just, just swooned, you know. It was so beautiful. They, I mean, they just showed out. So I can remember, remember that, and uh, I remember that, I don't know how this lady came from my community to the game. I don't know how she got there. Maybe she came with some teachers. But she went back, and she told her, my mom that uh, uh, I was at Gremlin's game, and, oh, those those girls, they, they, they really did look bad. All of them had these naturals, these afros, and open-toed shoes on, and bare-legged. And I thought we were just the height, you know, of fashion, because I was wearing my hair in a natural and, and uh, had on you know, the sandals. But I think, if I can, when I remember my teachers, all of my teachers had wore high heel shoes. All of my teachers had their hair pressed and curled. And all of my teachers uh, had on stockings. But like I said, when I was here, we got a chance to, I didn't know that I was changing as much as I did until she went home and told, told my mom, said, those girls, ooh, they look so bad, you know, <laughs> with, the, with the natural hair and the afro and, uh, and, and, and not wearing stockings and open-toed shoes. So I, I think... That made me realize that I, I was changing, you know, just that, just that little bit about the fashion. But, yeah, that was one. And one other thing that I got from Grambling was my first time really going to the library to study. As I said, I had two children. And so my husband would keep the children, and, and for me to have a quiet time, I would go to, I spent so many hours in the library. And that's something that's still in me today when I need to, do anything, I have to go to the library and, and, and work in a study room or work in a quiet area. That, that's carried over 50 years. From, and that started at Grambling, going to the library because of the kids playing in the house and I couldn't study. And uh, I love the library. So that's, that's something that I uh, carried with me from Grambling. And uh, like I said, the teachers and uh, 
my first white teachers and knowing then, you know, uh, that they were good. And uh, because, you, you know, when it, comes to, when it comes to people, you have, they're, they're the same in ways that they interact with people. Um, we, I, although we are different, but when it comes to teaching, I've had some great black teachers and I've had some great white teachers. And I can't remember too many bad teachers. Uh, and although I've had a couple of lazy teachers, but still, uh, on the whole, 90% of my teachers were super good. And so that's something I got, you know, from Grambling. That uh, I always tell everyone that Grambling had the best education department and teaching department because most of my teachers had gone to Grambling. And so and that's, that's why I, uh, I, I, you know, I love teaching and I still do. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Miss Givings. It was very enjoyable talking to you and was, hearing your life yeah. story and hearing how Grambling has affected you and continues to have an effect on you. Correct, yeah. And, th and thanks for inviting me and uh, giving me a chance. To, but as I said, this memory is really getting foggy. And uh, Well, I mean, you told us a lot <laughs> with, you know, foggy memory. Yeah, but this, from what I, what I guess, what I'm thinking, what I remember and maybe what I should remember, you know, but but I, I learned one time things that have uh, that are very negative or things that are very positive have the, the most uh, lasting uh, effect on you. Those things that are in between, you know, you'll, you'll soon forget those. But so what I can remember evidently was positive or either very negative. So, but thank you for inviting me. Yes, anytime. Mm -hmm. um, Faith, do you have any questions? <laughs> Okay, I have one question for you, Grandma. <laughs> um, what is one thing that you would tell either students coming to Gremlin State University or at Great Gremlin State University? What's one piece of advice that you would give them as a former Gremlin student and a Gremlin alum? I would, and as as I tell you, participate in everything. Uh, never uh, even some things you're gonna fail you may fail at don't always try and always leave yourself open and learn how to listen to others opinions but try to as i said what i really regret is not being totally involved in the college life involve yourself because when it comes to learning you learn from others as much as you learn from books and as i said Meeting those children from those students from South Louisiana and then other states, I learned quite a bit from them and uh, and how to address the world. So always know that you can learn from other people, because that's how I learned through the years. I have this 98-year-old play mom, and I learned a lot from her. She didn't get to the third grade, but you can learn. There are a lot of things that you can learn that's not in books. So be open and just. Don't just participate in those things that you're good at. Participate in everything that you get a chance to participate in. Miss Williams, is there any questions you'd like to ask Miss Gibbons? Um, actually, Miss Wright. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, and what do you, what would you say is um, advice about like not changing? Because I know you were talking about that, about like coming and meeting new people from different places and 
sometimes that could like change the way you are. What would you give advice to a person about not changing? About just, not changing? Yeah. Like just how would you say that you could stay yourself going up here with so many different people? Oh, remain true to yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, now that's something uh, I, I still work on today. Uh, like I said, everybody, everyone is, uh, uh, is, is different. But you can, I do, you do learn from others. But uh, when we were in school, and I can't, probably can't even remember this, but all the teachers would quote, to your own self be true. And you know what feels right with you. And, uh, and I know I have grandchildren, and I know about drugs, and, and I know how kids are raised. And I, so you have to be true to yourself. And sometimes you may not be able to be, can't be friends with everyone. And you may be unpopular about not doing some things. Uh, but you, you just have to do what's best for you. And it's so bad and sad that youth, sometimes youth can't see uh, what's down the road and how things will affect you. And even your parents can stop you from doing some things. But there's an inner being, an inner part of you that knows to me. When you do it, you may go on and do it, but you know sometimes when you're getting outside of yourself. And, and you, sometimes you know that you're trying to impress others. And you have to think, you know, why am I doing this? It, you know, so I know it's hard, but I, 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 like I said, I can learn, you can learn from everyone. Mm -hmm. But still, you're an individual and you're unique. And you have to remember that too. And so, and like I tell my children, Although I didn't have any twins, and even even with twins, I say you weren't born a twin. So, you have to just be in the, be as individual as you can, but still be able to be that part of the team when it's when it's uh, positive, and just try to stay away from negative things if you can. But I, I know, I, I I look back at my life. I I've had you know been on the fringes of things too, but um, still I say leave yourself open and meet people and learn and never look down on others. Uh, I, I look at people that who were not learned in school, hadn't gone to school. You can learn a lot from people who are uneducated. And uh, just, just, just know that and, and just be positive and treat people the way you want to be treated. Thank you for listening to the Voices of Grambling podcast. I am Simone Mond, your host today. And all the questions were written by myself, Simone Mond. Miracle Wright Lindo. And Faith Carr. All students are participants of Grambling State University's History Department. The Voices of Grambling podcast is a production of the History Department at Grambling State University. It is developed by the students and faculty. Funding for the 2021 Rebirth Grants have been administrated by the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities and provided by the National Endowment for the Humanities as part of the American Rescue Plan and the NEH Sustaining the Humanities through the American Rescue Plan Initiative. Any views, feelings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the National Endowment for the Humanities.